0: So what are we going after for uh, anyone brand new? I forgot to say earlier on um, that uh, my name is Chris Kimmins and I uh, am the senior pastor here along with Nick, my wife. I forgot to introduce myself. Apologies. But we have been reimagining what our aims are uh, and what we're going after as a church because as a church, if we exist and we don't cause any change, let's shut up shop and go and do something else. Because, I mean, we're here to create change and if we're not going to create change, let's go and find something else to do. So well, what change are we trying to create? So you've all got one of these cards, I hope. So please do. this. Now's a really good time just to pick it up. Feel the lovely matte laminate that we had applied. Um, it was quite hard to choose that online, I have to say. But it's come out rather nicely. So that is for you. That is for you to stick on your fridge um, uh, or somewhere where you will keep seeing it, your bathroom mirror or something. Just to remind you, these are some of the things I want to go after in my life. I'm part of a family that is going after this stuff. So if you look um, on your sheets over the right-hand side, halfway down, you should see developing leaders. And that is what we are looking at today. And there's only one left. So in a couple of weeks' time, Josh will be doing the last one, strengthening families. But today, developing leaders... And these are the two main aims. So everything's got like a main aim and then a couple of sub-aims that sit underneath, apart from connecting um, to God as Father, which has three uh, sub-aims. That's because it's the most important by far. Um, But all the others matter too, and they have two sort of what we're calling sub-aims. It's a terrible word, but we can't really think of a better one. And it's like like a, a semicolon after developing leaders, semicolon, and then almost like a bit of an explanation So these two particular things, be continually raising leaders within AV to strengthen the church and town. And number two, offering encouragement, support and training to leaders town-wide and beyond in brackets, but for now, we'll leave it as town-wide. So this is more like seminar styly for some of this. So you are going to have to do a little bit of chatting amongst yourselves, uh, talking to people around you. I'm sorry for those of you that have planned a little catch-up. Um, and didn't sleep well from the wind last night and thought, oh, because all right, I can fall asleep during Chris's talk, you will now be rumbled. So you have a couple of minutes amongst yourselves. Just turn to people around you. What is a leader? Go. Um, brilliant. Back in, if you will, please. Next one. What does a leader do? Okay, Brilliant. So some people, there is a, there just a couple of things. There is so much about leadership, and this is not really meant to be a talk about leadership per se. It's really about our responsibility as a church to do something about leadership. It's more that there is so much to be said about leadership. There are libraries full of books about leaders and leadership. So one of the, some of the things you hear is that people say, well, in some sense, we're all leaders. Um, and and that, that, I get it. You know, that's true. You know, I lead within my family type thing. Um... I get it. Obviously, that's not particularly what we're talking about today. While that is true, uh, that's not particularly what we're talking about. I think if you are a leader in life, one of the ways you'll know, and then we're going to answer that question, but one of the ways you'll know, I often say this to people, just look over your shoulder and see if anyone's following you. If you've got people following you, the chances are you're some kind of leader, albeit embryonic. um, It might be quite developed. You might have a title that goes with it. I don't know. But if you've got people following you, um, and it's not a dark alley at night. <laughs> but if you've got people following you, the chances are you have something about you that, is, that, that speaks of leadership. So what does a leader do? <clears throat> well, uh, this is what we're running with for now. I've added a key word in there, and that's good. So a good leader will lead people into life. This is not just for church. This is not just a, like um, uh, yeah, well, this is only if you're like a, a pastor or a minister or vicar or something. No, rubbish. A good leader is a good leader, and they lead people well, and they lead them into a place of fruitfulness and life in all its fullness, right? That's what a good leader does, whether you're in a school, uh, whether you're in business, uh, wherever, you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, a good leader leads the people that they are leading into life. So there's quite a bit of discussion also that goes on between what's the difference between leadership and management, and is one better than the other, all that whole leadership management thing. Again, we haven't got time to go into it. Suffice to say, they're both needed. The jobs are distinct, but they're both very much needed. So a few things that a leader definitely isn't, just so we can clear some of these things up. A leader is not necessarily the one with the loudest voice, Uh, the one with the best parking spot, the one with the title and whose name is on the door, the one who makes up the rotor, the one who tells people off for being late, um, or the one who chairs the meeting. That person may be the leader and they may do some of those things, but that isn't That isn't what makes a leader. You can appoint anyone to keep a register of people. That doesn't necessarily make them a leader. So a good leader, because that's really what we're talking about here, leads people into life. So they will operate with very clear vision. So when we said, you know if you're a leader because you look and you see you've got people following you, by the very implication of following, you must be moving. If not, they'll have caught you up. Okay, so a good leader is going somewhere. And they are going somewhere, they see a preferred future. I can see what this is now, but I can see it's better if we can get to there. That's what a good leader does. They see the situation they're in, they see what's ahead and what's possible, a preferred future, and then they express that in such a way that empowers the people here to say, come on, let's go after that thing. Nick does it with a lot of the word exciting. That's what she says. That's one of her main ways. So, and you're a pioneer leader, basically, if you're blazing a new way that hasn't really been done before. To some extent, we're all unique. It's going to be new for everyone. Of course it is. So a good leader leads with clear vision, but they also bring people with them. So I I know some astounding people who do some incredible stuff but they don't have the ability to bring people with them. Do you know the main reason? This isn't in my notes, but do you know the main reason people don't bring people with them is because other people will probably spoil it. I can see it. I've got it. I've got, no, 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 no. No, my vision, my vision. Uh, well, the truth is, if your vision is something that can be achieved just with you, then you need to get bigger vision, frankly. Because we were never meant to have any kind of vision from God that is something we can just achieve on our own, in our own time, in our spare time even. So we bring people with us. Good leaders bring people with them. And one of the ways they do that, like I've already said, is you make the image of that as clear as you can. And you tell people here, this is why. This is why we must go to that place. This is why we must make this journey. We must move from where we are. Because where we are here, there are too many young people suffering with mental health. But if we do this, this, this and this, can you see over there what it would look like if we could pick this up and put it there? And can you see that the number of young people suffering with mental health issues has gone to 25% of what it is now? We must do this. We must make the change. We must count the cost. We must go on this adventure. Freedom! All that. A good leader also will then model it. They will model what it looks like. Because most of the time, people say, well, why why do more people not go from here to over there? And often people say, well, they haven't got the time. In truth, most people haven't got the character. People haven't got time, but you have got time for important things. Everyone's got time. We just fill it up with fluff and stuff. And the way we know we've got time is if you had a phone call right now from someone in your family who was sick, like badly sick, like life support sick, you'd find the time. We all find the time for the important things. So the, the generally, um, generally, the, the gap between here and there is more character than it is time. Because you have to be Tenacious. You have to be tenacious because as soon as you try and move from here, all these people here will go, Oh, but we love it here. Why don't you like it here? Why are you not in our gang anymore that you don't really like it here anymore? Well, because I try and live f- for people other than me. Uh, yeah, but we really like it here. I mean, it's lovely. We've been here ages. I mean, we love it. We know every little intricate detail of this bit and whatever. Well, um, in that case, I'm going. Uh, If any of you want to come, great. If you don't, then stay where you are. So there's whole kind of reasons why people don't come. But anyway, a good leader will model to others what the sacrifice it's going to take to get from here to there. And it's it's going to cause sacrifice, and it's going to mean a change in character. So one of the other things that leaders often do is they take the hit. They really do take the hit. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is set up to stay exactly as it is or deteriorate. If you want to create positive change somewhere, you will meet opposition left, right and centre. If you're in a church setting and you want to create change, you will get opposition left, right and centre from Christians. They are the worst. Honestly, they are the worst at it. And they'll come up with all kinds of reasons they nearly always throw a theology bomb in and go, whoa, this isn't right. I heard a talk 17 years ago and the man said this, that kind of thing. Christians, honestly, we're we're brilliant at taking our own people out who are trying to create change. So we see a load of clearly, we see a load of good leading in Jesus. So he operated with clear vision. Really clear vision. Jesus made it very clear. It says this, um, if you're making notes, which I can see none of you are, but if you are, uh, it's, uh, I'm just going to tell you anyway. Uh, Luke 4, uh, so 16 to 18, it says this, when he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. And when Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll And read where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners, You are set free. I have come to share this message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. And then Jesus said, Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. So this is a prophecy of yesteryear, hundreds of years before. And then Jesus picks it up and effectively says, that prophecy, it was about now. This is what I'm about. Luke 4.18, it's got to be one of those that goes in there for you. Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18 is where Jesus basically gives his mandate, says, this is what I've come to do. Let me make it absolutely clear. This is what I'm about. And in some of the translations, it says, all the eyes were fastened on him. I bet, I bet. So another thing that Jesus did, just to echo some of these things we've said about a good leader, is he invited others to come on the adventure, invited others into the story. And it's in Mark, uh, the book of Mark chapter three, where Jesus withdraws first to spend time with God and then comes down. And out of the group of disciples that were already there or the people following him, he picked out 12 and said, you're my crew you're coming with me, we're going to do this together. Leave your nets, leave everything, come with me. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do life together. We are going to rub shoulders. You're going to see me cry. You're going to see us do incredible miracles together. We're going to eat together. We're going to live together. We're going to do this thing together. And then when I'm gone, you're going to change the world. So Jesus was brilliant inviting um, inviting other people in. Of course, he started with that 12, and then there was a 72, uh, and then obviously that mandate now has come to us. So we're all invited to be part of this. Something that Jesus did, and I think I think I would go as far as to say this: a good leader, a good leader, generally will operate under a higher authority generally. And Jesus definitely did this. He said, I speak to you the timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything for himself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing. And I only say the words I hear the father saying. So Jesus wasn't freestyling. He was listening out. And it's another thing a good leader definitely does. A good leader is sacrificial. Like, wow, my goodness, Jesus modelled that. We haven't got time to go into that. But sacrifice is one of the quickest ways to earn trust with a group of people. Jesus was passionate. He lived from the heart as well as the head. He was patient, determined. Jesus delivered. Like, if you really want to build trust in a group of people, you have to be sacrificial and you have to do what you say you're going to do. How many businesses could thrive so much better if they actually did what they say they are going to do? It's not very difficult to survive and thrive in business. Do what you say you're going to do. That's it. Just deliver. And Jesus delivered in spades. So definitely, leaders are absolutely vital. Without leaders, not a lot gets done. Have you ever been in any kind of meeting and you can't even work out who the leader is? It should have started five, seven, eight. 10 minutes to go, and if you're anything like me, you're like, who's in charge around here? Come on, this is 10 minutes of my life, I'm never gonna get back. And, you, and you, you're looking for who is the leader in the room? Who is the person who's gonna say, okay, thanks everyone for coming, here we are, this is what we're about. I, I don't know about you, I'm, I, I'm one of those, um, if anyone who's done pack types, um, this is like the guard dog part of me. I'm in a meeting, first thing I wanna know, why are we in this meeting? What do we hope to achieve by the end? If we're having a chat, to be honest, unless it's an amazing chat, I'm probably out. So can we talk about something and like, why are we here again? Um, so that sort of thing. So leaders, are they don't all have to be like that. But you do need leaders um, because without them, not a lot gets done. So God definitely appointed leaders really clearly. You can go all the way back to the first book of the Bible and Genesis 12 this is the ultimate kind of leader that Jesus first appoints in the form of Abram, changes his name to Abraham and says, you'll be a father to many. That's in Genesis 12. And eventually, Abraham has children, etc., And that becomes the Jewish people. That is the start of the Jewish nation. I mean, my goodness me, incredible. But even before Genesis 12, in Genesis 6, only six chapters in, and Noah, Noah becomes a leader leading his wife and his sons and families and a whole bunch of animals into an ark to escape a severe flood. So the point is, for us, why are we going after this as an aim? Because this church desperately needs good leaders. This town desperately needs good leaders. This country desperately needs good leaders. We need decent leaders. So... Be continually raising leaders within AV to strengthen the church and town. Notice it doesn't just say to strengthen the church. It's to strengthen the church and the town. So one of the things a good leader will do, which is why we need to continually be raising them, is it brings out the best in those around them. A good leader champions other people. It believes in them. It steers them. A good leader invites them into more. And I would say this... A good leader loves the people they're leading, even in a school setting, in a business setting, in a finance setting. I know you think, oh, Chris, that's a bit far-fetched. Yeah, but I think it's how God probably designed it. It might seem far-fetched because people just become an HR. They just become a human resource. But they're not a human resource. They're way more than that. They're precious. And so a good leader ideally looks to love, and that can be pretty tough. A good leader invests themselves in the people that they're leading, draws out who they were born to be. Like when Jesus with Peter, he says, you are Peter, the rock. He says, I'm calling out your identity. This is who you are. When Peter gets told off by Jesus and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, he's basically saying, Peter, enough. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. Don't behave like that. That's not who you are. That's not who you've been called to be. A good leader does that, and as does a good friend. So be continually raising leaders. It's a constant process. So one of the things we ask of any leaders here is as soon as they take up their post, appoint a deputy. Appoint a deputy. And the aim of the deputy isn't so that if I'm ever not there, then someone else can step in. That's one role of a deputy, but really what you're looking for is you're looking for that person who, as soon as you take on the role, you say, within a year, I plan for you to be stood where I am, and I'm going to be released into something else. And then as soon as that person stood there, even while you're training them to get there, you say, who have you got your eye on? Who do you see? Ask God, who do you see who's got potential. Who do you see who's coming up? And then we'd use this acronym, IRTDMN, and we still use it. It stands for Identify, Recruit, Train, Deploy, Monitor, and Nurture. IRTDMN, Identify, Recruit, Train, Deploy, Monitor, Nurture. It's a great simple model for how you spot someone, you then recruit them using vision Do you want to come and help me with the chairs? Terrible recruiting. Terrible recruiting. Do you want to come and help me boil some kettles? Terrible recruiting. As we say so often, that over there, that bit of the warehouse, that's not about tea and coffee. And if you think it is, you need to open your eyes wider. That's about making people feel that they belong. Because the basic of any hospitality um, is when you walk into someone's house, they say, can I get you a tea? Or can I get you a drink or something? It's one of the things Kennedy, um, our intern, has said. It's one of the things she's noticed about Britain. People are always offering you drinks. Like, yes, and talking about the weather, that's all we know to do. Um, what a cup of tea? It's really bad out there, isn't it? And then we struggle for the next bit of conversation. Um, so anyway, yes, it's still really raining, uh, and we go back over it. But <clears throat> So we want people to feel welcome, so we invite people into that. We recruit by saying... This is the vision. This is what we want to see happen. I'm not getting you to play a guitar. Will you come on the worship team and play a guitar? No, I've got better things to do. But if you say to someone, listen, I have seen you worship and I can see that you, wow, you have something about you that loves to worship and just connect with God. And we would love to see that skill being used up here because do you know what we long for? We long to see such an outpouring of worship here that it draws people in from outside, that the doors are open particularly in the summer and that people actually start being drawn towards it and there's such a strong sense of God's presence that emotional and um, mental health issues are fixed in a moment and chains break off people and we want to see cancer healed as people come in. Will you play your guitar? That's not what, you're not recruiting someone to play a guitar. You're recruiting someone to usher in God's presence so that the town receives freedom. Like, that's exciting. Anyway, Um, so here's a good, well, forget the rest of that. Here's a good question uh, for you right now. We're way running out of time, but you've got 30 seconds. I'm just going to give you some, what we call take-up time in the teaching profession. Who are you bringing with you? Whatever you are doing in your life, whatever you're leading, whether it's in the workplace or here, wherever, who are you bringing with you? Who is the person just here? Just give you a moment with that. It's so important that we continue to raise leaders for Asher Vineyard. We need leaders who can raise leaders, who can inspire and release the next generation of leaders to believe for better than we currently have. That's what you want. We want a a group of leaders here who know that one of the things they're going to do at some point is do this and invite the next generation to put their foot in there and we'll give them a lift up and they'll get further than we've ever gone. That is our job. That is our role. We're not building empires. We're creating a future. We're creating a future where the kingdom comes. So we will need... We need leaders who will let the next generation stand on our shoulders. So Banning Liebscher, who founded um, uh, Jesus Culture, one of the founders of Jesus Culture, writes, In John 15, 16, when Jesus called the disciples to bear fruit that would remain, you do know he wasn't talking about organisations or buildings. He was talking about people. My spiritual sons and daughters are the fruit that remain in my life and ministry. Now, that John 15, 16 is a really pivotal verse because it's the verse that this church was planted on when we felt God speak to us and say, I've appointed you to go to Ashford in brackets and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So what if the fruit isn't, as wonderful as it is, bumps to babes? What if the fruit isn't the book club? What if the fruit isn't the warehouse? What if the fruit is the people that we are bringing up as the next group of leaders, as the next group of people to take the fight and actually bring the kingdom in Ashford in the way we long to see it. It's a challenge for all of us, for sure. I think it was a guy, a pastor chap called Raymond Woodward who said, we are in desperate need of leaders who will pass the baton while they still have the strength to cheer. And there is no success without a successor. Number two, much, much quicker, you'll be pleased to know, because we already need to have finished, offering encouragement, support, and training to leaders townwide. So we want to create spaces. I would say as a name, this isn't one that we're particularly flourishing in at the moment. We're still quite embryonic in this one, but it's a heart cry for us. It's something we want to do. We want to create spaces where leaders feel valued and honoured. That's why we don't talk down about Tr- Ashford. That's why we don't talk down about the council. That's why we don't talk down about our MP. It doesn't mean we agree with everything they do. But instead, we speak with thankfulness for them. And we want a place where leaders feel valued and honoured, where leaders are not criticised but spoken well of. I know it's very non-British, but it's very God. Very, very God to speak well of people we want a place where leaders feel encouraged where they feel empowered i would love that actually we can somehow host some kind of day for let's let's pick on all school head teachers and we create a day where they can come or we create a space like a drop-in space where they know they can come and just breathe for a minute where they can receive prayer if they want some prayer or just a cup of tea we speak to all the doctor surgeries and say to all the GPs and nursing staff and health professionals, say, listen, this is a space. We're going to make it open every lunchtime throughout the week. There is some lunch here if you want it. There's a, just a quiet space if you want it. That would be a wonderful thing that we'd love to offer. We would love it that leaders bring their teams here into a place bursting with life. Can you imagine that thing that we said about the Sunday morning because the person's playing their guitar thing, that thing, that environment? Can you imagine if teams, work teams around this area brought them into the warehouse? And what would happen? Can you imagine the creative ideas that would spring up because they're having a team day at Asher Vineyard? Obviously not. Okay, I can. I'm like... I'm picturing people coming in and they walk in and they say, I know what to do about that problem. What problem? The whatever. That one. No one's come up with a solution for that for three years. I know. It's really weird. I just walked into here and I'm like, I I know what to do. And we're going, cup of tea. (laughs) So (laughs) we need to respond. Um, So a couple of things I think I'd like to do. Firstly is, I feel like, and I want to do this as well, but I think it would be really good for us to be able to apologise before God, to God really, for where we have spoken poorly about leaders. Now this does not mean that you are never allowed to say anything negative about a leader. It's, this, isn't, this isn't some dictatorship, I don't mean that. And I'm not even talking about within here either. I'm really talking about wider than that. That, that was what I felt prompted by God. It doesn't mean you can't disagree. It doesn't mean you can't disagree, that's absolutely fine. But honestly, if there were a way that I could get hold of Facebook's plug and remove it from the socket to save a few more lives, I would do it in a heartbeat. We have become the most critical, self-righteous group of people ever since Facebook and things came out and all the papers who are bemoaning the fact that Flack has died were all the ones that were absolutely ripping her apart. I I, I hate it. Like with a passion, I hate it. Leave her alone. Just leave people alone. Unless you've got something good to say about them, keep your mouth shut. For goodness sake, just zip it. And if you need to go and shout and scream into your pillow all the obscenities you've got stored up, well, do that. Go and shout it into a pillow. But take it out of the public domain. Don't say it to people. Don't say it about people. Don't say it behind people's backs. If you've got something to say to them, deal with your own rubbish first and then say, there's just this thing. Can I just talk about the interaction you and I had last week? Because actually I felt a little bit hurt by it. Rather than go and rant at them, The Bible says if you've got something against someone, you go and speak to them, but you deal with your own emotions first. And it's something we can definitely model. So I want to apologise for why I have spoken badly of leaders. The place I I would need to speak in any way is I'll take those things to God. Unless that person's deliberately hurt me, don't get me wrong, I have all kinds of people who great on me or whatever, leaders as well, absolutely. There isn't a leader out there I completely agree with. And you'd say the same. Because you would do things probably slightly differently and you'd tweak this and change that and all those kind of things. But I know that I get very defensive if someone comes and talks to me and starts criticising one of my three girls. I feel quite sensitive over it, even if I know they've got a point. Even in that case, I'm still so inclined to go, "Uh uh-huh. We'll sort this out. And if anyone is going to tell my kids off, it's me, not you. It's no one else's place. That's how I feel as just an earthly kind of half-baked dad type thing. You know, like compare with God. How must he feel? Half of Facebook is filled with people, frankly, just slagging other people off. Which must break God's heart. Anyway. So we're going to pray for that, and then we're going to pray for, and we're going to pray for some other leaders. Shall we stand? <laughs> Father God, for where we have spoken ill of leaders, yes, but actually we can just widen that to other people. For where we have misused our voice, you've given us a voice to be able to build, to be able to encourage, to be able to strengthen, not to be able to tear down and destroy And Father God, we are really sorry for where we have criticised people, particularly leaders we're thinking of right now. And God, help us to deal with those emotions that we have where we don't agree or we're struggling, wrestling, all those things which we all feel. Help us to deal with those and get our own stuff sorted first. Before we look to take the splinter out of someone else's eye, we remove the plank in our own. And Father, we pray for the people in this room who have a leadership kind of call on them. And we pray for every leader in this room, whether they're already a leader or whether, God, you are raising them up as a leader. That they will lead well. They will be good leaders. They will lead other people into life. Father, we have you as a constant model What a phenomenal father leader you are. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org, or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.